Hey everybody, uh, my name is Garrett Cars, and I'm from Hayes, Kansas. I help run a young adult and college ministry out here in western Kansas. And I just wanted to welcome you this morning to chapel service. And it's I'm sorry that I couldn't be with you. It's been a couple of years since I've been with you. And it's just such a joy uh, to be with you this morning as we dig into what God would have to speak with us today. And I know that you have been talking about being anchored in Christ. What does it look like to have our foundation and hope? hope put in Christ. And as I was praying about the message um, that God would have to speak with us this morning, actually, before this message, I felt like God was transitioning me back, changing my message and to talk about his most famous sermon ever. Now, this might be debatable, but for most people, this was the most famous sermon that Jesus ever preached. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And this is what Jesus has to say to us today about being anchored in Christ. He actually talks about having our foundation built on him and him alone. And before we get started with the message today, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this time where we can come and seek out what you would have um, to say to us through your scriptures. Illuminate it to us today as we dig into what you have to say to us. And my prayer is that we would um, put our hope and have our anchor tied to you and you alone, that we would build our foundation upon the rock, which is Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Jesus actually ends this sermon in Matthew chapter 7, giving us this illustration of two people. He calls them the the wise and the foolish builders, right? The wise and the foolish builders. And he says that one person builds his life upon the sand, upon what the world actually tells him to do. And many of us have struggled with this, trying to build our foundation upon things that the world teaches us to do. And it says when the winds came, the storm came and the winds blew, the rain came down, it actually washed his house and demolished everything until he had nothing left. And then he transitions to this wise builder and it says that he builds his house upon the practices of Jesus. If you put into practice what Jesus teaches, it's like you are building this house upon the rock. And Jesus says, when the storms come, when turbulent times happen, when difficult circumstances come in our life, that we will withstand any storm if we actually just put into practice what Jesus teaches us. And so the question that we have to wrestle with today is, are we putting our hope? Are we building our anchor? Are we building our house? Are we building our life upon the sand and what the world teaches us to do? Are we building our life upon Jesus and him and him alone? It says that we are supposed to put into practice what he teaches. And so today we're going to be reading in Matthew chapter 5 at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount to see what Jesus would have us put into practice. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says this, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them He said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are meek for they will inherit the earth. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when, you, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kind of evil against you because of me, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets before you. What is Jesus saying to us? If any of you have taken a speech class or some sort of uh, uh, teaching on how to preach or whatever that may look like, most people know that at the beginning of your message, you have about 15 seconds to two minutes to capture the attention of the audience. And I believe that Jesus was the greatest preacher of all time. And I think that he knew that he had to capture the attention of the audience. And so he used this word blessed over and over and over. And I can't imagine the audience is starting to say, what is he saying? What does it actually mean to be blessed? And I think that from this passage, blessed is really a happiness or joy that only comes from a deep down satisfaction that can only come from God himself. See, we have twisted this word blessed over and over and over to the point where we get outside of scripture of what it actually means to be blessed. And in this passage, there are some disagreements on, on what this actually means. What is Jesus saying here in what we call the be attitudes? And so many times there are people who say that these are a series of steps to kind of achieve happiness, that you have to put all of these things, you have to be poor in spirit, you have to be mourning, you have to be meek, all of these things. And to that I say, how exhausting how exhausting to try to put all of these things into our life. And I don't know if that is the way of Christ. And the other way that people view this, and, and Dallas Willard actually says in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, that what Jesus is actually doing here at the introduction of the Sermon on the Mount is he is recognizing the harsh reality of our life. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Are you a spiritual beggar who will just work for food, will do anything in order to get closer to God? Blessed are those who mourn. Jesus is talking about the weeping ones of the world. They're looking around and they're seeing so much sorrow and brokenness and it's causing sorrow in your heart. And maybe you're dealing with a difficult circumstance or situation and you are mourning about the loss of a loved one or mourning the loss of something in your life. Jesus is recognizing the harsh reality of our life. I believe that Jesus is coming and saying to us that he's not here for all of those who have it all together, for everybody who's perfect, but Jesus is saying, I'm here for those people who are hurting, the people who are broken. And I believe this interpretation lines up more with the message that I read from Jesus, a person who said that he comes to seek and save the lost, people who are unhealthy, who are sick, people who 
are broken. Jesus is recognizing the harsh reality of our life. And so many times we hear this message that if we follow Jesus, everything will just get better. Or if you just get your life with God, then he'll heal everything. He'll, break, he'll make sure that all your brokenness is perfect. And that is not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying to us that he came to recognize the harsh reality of our life. And he's also saying that he lived it too. He knows what you are going through. Jesus is saying that to us, if we come to him, that you might, your life might not get better. But what he is saying to us is that he sees us. In the midst of whatever we are facing, Jesus is recognizing what we are going through. And it says in scripture that he has faced everything that we face and he knows what we're going through. What a better person to comfort us in times of tribulation than Jesus himself. I believe Jesus is saying to us, I see you. And if you are in poor in spirit, if you are mourning, if you are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, if you are merciful, then theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You will be comforted. You will inherit the earth. You will be filled. You'll be shown mercy. You'll see God. You'll be called the children of God. And for theirs is the kingdom of God. Jesus is giving us all of these promises. If we are broken, that he will help us in our time of need. Jesus then transitions out of this recognition of our brokenness and saying to us at the end of his introduction that if you are one of these people, if you are struggling with certain circumstances that are going on in your life, he has a vision for you, not only does he have a vision? He actually gives it right here in his word that he will turn your mess into a message that he will turn your brokenness into something that will cause you joy. Let's read together in Matthew chapter five, starting in verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of a world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light up a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everything in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What is Jesus saying to us today? And what should we be putting into practice? I think that Jesus is saying to us that while we may be broken, he doesn't see us that way. That while we may be hurting, he's going to try to help comfort us in those moments, but he actually sees us as salt and light. Have you ever heard this phrase, uh, you are worth your weight in salt? And this is kind of an old phrase. So if you don't, you haven't heard it, that's totally okay. It's actually a phrase that comes from the fact that salt actually used to be extremely valuable in the first century and all of the times kind of leading up until, until our time period, salt was extremely valuable. Even soldiers and people were often paid with salt. 
It was something that would help preserve. They didn't have refrigerators or freezers. And so it would actually slow down the decay of meat and they would wrap meat in salt. And it was extremely valuable in a time period where we had no refrigerators. I believe that Jesus is saying to us that we are valuable. He's showing us that we have value in his eyes. That while things might not be perfect, he actually sees us as valuable. Jesus also says to us that we are light. And in the first century where he was living, they didn't know what we have today as as electricity. They didn't have the ease of flipping a switch. A lot of times they would have these lamps that had oil in the bottom or torches that had oil in them that they would have to light and they would uh, take time, but they would use up uh, valuable oil. And it wasn't something light was actually rare in the first century. What if Jesus is saying to us today that we are actually valuable and we are actually rare? I think so many of us, we've lost sight of this meaning of this passage because we don't understand the context of what was happening in the first century. What if Jesus is trying to transition us from looking at our lives as broken messes into a beautiful message? What if we can use his testimony, his helping us out of these circumstances to share our testimony with people around the world? Jesus, as he was finishing the Sermon on the Mount, used this word practice. Practice. I think it's so incredible that Jesus uses this word practice. If we put into practice, if we actually walk in obedience to what he has to say, we'll actually be like the wise man. I believe that God's word is sufficient, that it gives us everything that we need for life in Christ. And I actually believe that his word will actually lead us to a better and the best life that we could ever live. Not what the world tells us, not what we can even try to convince our own selves of, us, our own selves of. Jesus is trying to show us that he has a better life for us. But in this passage, what are we supposed to put into practice? I believe that Jesus is saying to us that we should start practicing seeing ourselves as Jesus does. Seeing ourselves as valuable and rare, not as broken, not as a beat up, not as all of these terrible circumstances, but actually as how Jesus sees ourselves. And most of us, we look at our lives as through the Beatitudes lens of ourselves. But we need to see it through the vision that Jesus has for our life as rare and valuable. As we conclude, let's read verse 16 once again. It says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds in heaven and glorify your Father in heaven. When all we are doing, when we just focus on ourselves and doing good things to cover up all the bad things. What we're actually doing is making this all about ourselves. 
But when we see ourselves through the lens that God has given us, that we are salt and light, that we are rare, that we are valuable, then we'll begin to see that God has given us a plan and a destiny, one that will actually glorify him and not glorify ourselves when we actually walk in his ways. So where are you in this passage? Do you see yourself as someone through the Beatitudes lens of life where we are just broken and beaten and defeated? That all of our lives we can't get over ourselves, that we can never get over the hump of life, that things just keep happening over and over and over and nothing is ever going to get better? Or do we see ourselves through the lens that Jesus is trying to give us as salt and light, as valuable and rare? And as Jesus finished the introduction, I believe that he had the attention of his audience. And I hope he has our attention as well. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this moment where we can come together and open up your word. Where we can see what you have to say to us. And I pray for anybody who is listening to this message, who is viewing themselves through the beatitude lens of life, through the brokenness and, and the devastation that their life is happening and seeing in their life, that they would transition to seeing themselves like you see us as valuable and rare. Jesus, you went to the cross to prove that we are valuable, that we are worth your love. And anybody who is listening, who is questioning that, I pray that they would begin to understand your love for us and that we could actually put into practice what you're teaching. And Jesus, if there is anyone who is listening to this message who has never given their life to Christ, I pray that right now, in their own words, that they would begin to surrender their life to Christ, that they would apologize and ask for forgiveness for their sin and from their rebellion against you, from walking away from a relationship with you, and that they would ask for you to help them have a relationship with you. Lord, we love you and we are so thankful for you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I hope you guys have an amazing day and God bless.